welcome to the Empowering Agency Workers, a podcast for all temporary workers. If you're unsure of your rights, unsure how to find work, or just plain unsure, we're here to help. It's all too easy to be exploited, so your expert host, Julia Kermode, will empower you to succeed. Welcome to today's podcast. Um, We're talking about the recent holiday pay case with Brazil, and I'm really pleased to have with me Rebecca Seeley Harris, and she's a very well-known employment status lawyer who's very involved in all things relating to IR35 and off payroll, and of course, Holiday pay has an impact for different employment statuses, um, depending on whether you are an employee or a temporary worker or a contractor. So really warm welcome, Rebecca. I'm so pleased to have you with us today. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Brilliant. So we are going to be talking about this recent case. And obviously, Rebecca, you're you're a lawyer with huge amounts of background. So we're going to try and keep it simple, really, for our listeners who are mostly going to be workers themselves impacted by it. So briefly... What is this case all about and why why are we even talking about it, I suppose? Well, this case concerns somebody called Mrs. Brazel, who or Ms. Brazel, who's a music teacher with the Harper's Trust. Uh, she's actually visiting music teacher and mm-hmm. she has no guaranteed hours. So she's got no uh, minimum hours, there's zero hours contract, and she will work uh, for as many pupils as there are who want her services. Brilliant. This case, my understanding of, of it, is around how her holiday entitlement was calculated. Obviously, as a visiting tutor, she's not necessarily working full-time hours, so her holiday needs to be prorated somehow, and, and that, that's the crux of the case, isn't it? Well, what happened back in 2011 is that Harbour's Trust changed their method of calculation, and this was okay. in line with the ACAS guidance, which said that they should use the 12.07% method. So they changed the method and that made uh, Ms. Brazil worse off. Um, and so she decided to take action quite rightly. And actually, this has been a very interesting case because this is all down to the interpretation of statute. So she brought a case in the tribunal for unlawful deduction of wages because she wasn't being paid what she had been previously paid. Right. OK, that's that's interesting, actually. So I guess it sounds like Harper's Trust was just trying to do the right thing and, and be working um, according to best practice guidance at the time. Um, and that 12.0% multiplier, if you like, for calculating holiday is quite a standard within the wider recruitment sector and umbrella sector, isn't it? It's, it's used very widely. It's, it's standard across all sectors. So everyone yeah. has been using the ACAS 12 0.07% method for as long as it's been in. And in fact, Department of Business Bay's guidance also used the 12.07% method. They have now changed it. In fact, they changed it after the Court of Appeal judgment back in 2019. So it has been changed, which of course, you know, they had to do, but it was interesting that they changed it on the basis of the Court of Appeal um, judgment and they didn't even wait for the Supreme Court. Okay, okay. So it sounds like there was quite a few stages to to this process that Mrs. Brazil has been through. Yeah, well, I mean, this is sort of fairly standard. It's the same as the Pimco Plumbers. You know, that was started in 2010. It took a very long time to go through the whole court system. So she was joined by, I think it was Unison, who were the intervener, Mm -hmm. and uh, because it was of interest uh, to them. So they were also wanting to look at the interpretation of the statute. So the statute is the European Directive and the domestic law, which is the working time regulations. And this case is literally all about how that statute was interpreted and what the statute had intended. Did it intend for workers to be prorated, for example? So 
if you're a worker under the statute, if you read the statute, actually, it does not mention prorating. It doesn't say anything about if you do less hours, you get less holiday entitlement. So this is what the whole argument was about. Was she entitled to be paid the same as a full-time employee? Now, some people obviously are saying that's an absurd result. But basically, if the statute doesn't say it should be prorated, then you can't prorate it. And that's what the whole case has been about. That's quite mind-blowing because we're all very used to part-time workers and in this case, zero-hour workers, not receiving exactly the same amount of holiday compared to a full-time person because it doesn't appear logical. But then this case says, no, 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 they have to receive the same. Have I understood that correctly? Or maybe I'm being... Well, yeah, I mean, you you always have to look at two sides of an argument when you're looking at um, legal cases. So Harvest Mm. Trust would argue differently. They would say that actually it's unfair that somebody who's working less hours than full-time should receive uh, the equivalent, the same as them. And so prorating is a, you know, justifiable method of um, paying somebody their holiday entitlement. Yeah, it's certainly been the norm throughout most of my working life, which is more years than than I'd like to add up. But but anyway, so then this then is going to have a massive impact then on temporary workers and umbrella workers who who have their holiday at the moment on that prorated basis, don't they? Because they're working on assignments, which are generally short term ish assignments. So, yeah, I mean, Usually, they have their holiday calculated on this 12.07%, don't they? Well, they do. But then, well, I mean, that that's the ACAS guidance, but not everyone has used that method. And I've heard from okay. some commentators that actually some of the umbrella companies were using a higher percentage, so 14%. So oh, they would have been yes. uh, better. I don't know the method of calculation. And obviously, that's just from sort of LinkedIn commentators. But they weren't all using the 12.07%, but they were prorating. So that's the important point is that they were prorating the holiday entitlement and then the holiday pay. So if um, if someone's listening at the moment thinking, okay, well, hang on a minute, I'm a temporary worker or um, an umbrella worker. And hang on, I'm sure I'm getting my holiday multiplied up by one of these methods how should they now be getting their holiday following this judgment well it's moved from the percentage method which was the 12.07 percent to the calendar week method now no prorating so basically you are calculating the holiday based on the calendar week and that's another interesting point actually that I know there's been a bit of misunderstanding about is the reference period that you calculate the period over so it used to be 12 weeks under the working time regulations and on the 6th of April 2020, it changed to 52 weeks. So you have to calculate the average week's pay for the statutory leave over a 52-week period now at, at the calendar week method, not using the percentage method at all. And actually, we must make clear here, this is for umbrella company. This is for workers. So yeah. anyone who is categorised as a worker under the working time regulations, that includes employees, but it may be that you are a LIMBY worker, for example. So it, it won't include contractors, for example, who are on a, a contract for services. It only includes workers and employees. OK, yeah, no, that's an important point. And actually, we I should have mentioned that at the start. It's, it's, it's so important. In terms of what's happening then at the moment, so this, the Supreme Court ruled, oh, I, I can't even remember when, it, let's say a couple of months ago, you'll know the date. But since then... What's been happening in in the market? What are you seeing kind of umbrellas and agencies doing to to correct basically how they're calculating holiday? Well, it looks like the umbrella companies might be using to uh, moving to a different method of engagement, if you like. So rather than having somebody as as an employee, they might put them on a fixed term contract. 
Now, if you put them on a fixed term contract, that obviously has a finite end and a termination date. So the reference period and the way of calculation, albeit on a calendar week, would probably result in the person getting less because they're being paid for exactly what they're working for. And I think what the umbrella companies are likely to try and do is to get rid of those periods of time when the person isn't working. So it sort of doesn't end up being part of the two week, 52 week reference period. So it may be, it's not, um, you know, what the Supreme Court was trying to do was for the benefit of actually part year workers, uh, mm-hmm. as Miss Brazil, for the benefit of, benefit of them to just clarify the interpretation of the statute to say you can't prorate. But of course, mm-hmm. if, if the umbrella companies change their method of engagement, and then that's uh, an entirely different matter. And it might, of course, mean that umbrella companies are, um, workers are worse off. We, you know, that remains to be seen. So at the moment, I know people currently have basic two ways that they're paid, which is either what's called rolled up holiday or accrued holiday. So could you just briefly outline what both of those are? And so then we can work out how this impacts on them. Uh, well, actually, that's a really interesting point. It doesn't necessarily come under the Brazil case. But I've heard a lot that people get really confused by this because Rolled up holiday pay is illegal. It's not allowed. The reason for that is because the whole point of the European legislation and then the domestic legislation around the working time regulations is that people take time off. Yes. It's not about being paid. It's about actually taking time off. So yeah. companies are encouraged to make sure that the workers, the employees take the time off and then they get paid for it. So, you know, yes. the workers aren't disadvantaged. The problem is it's legal. So you are supposed to follow the accrued method, which means that you accrue your holiday entitlement. Then you take it and you get paid. Now, the problem with umbrella company workers, obviously, is that's really, really difficult because they don't work usual hours. Mm. Um, The UK government has said they're not going to change the legislation. The um, European legislation still stands because it's part of retained law, even after Brexit. Yeah. So, you know, there's a problem there. Um, Pimlico Plumbers did go some way to sort of sorting that out. And in fact, in the appendix of that case, there are some there are some amendments that the that the court made to the working time regulations to try and sort of make it a bit clearer about yeah. um, how holiday pay should be paid. But at the moment, um, if the umbrella companies give rolled up, or I think some of them call it advanced holiday, mm-hmm. um, it's not actually allowed. But in my mind, if the workers are getting paid, then at least they're getting paid. So yeah. that's the, it, you know, that's another problem in the holiday pay sector. It's not just about the calculation method. Yeah, it's it's such a good point, isn't it? And that we we'll remember that that years ago Matthew Taylor did a review in this space about modern ways of working, and he was actually quite supportive of rolled up holiday pay for exactly that reason. At least workers get get their pay but it isn't lawful to do it but I do understand why companies do it because and also it kind of suits some workers as well I think um some temps that I talked to they, they would much rather have the money and then when they take time off they're not being paid but because there's no such thing strictly speaking I think as holiday pay then is there because it's paid time off that's always a distinction I'm trying yeah. to make sure I'm careful about it's actually the holiday entitlement uh, yes. that the law relates to and the pay sort of follows the entitlement and it is all about health and safety and I completely understand that but there are other cases there's been a European case there's also King and Sash Windows there was a case um, Max Planck I think it was a German case um that was in 2018, and I've mentioned this before, that, mm. you know, the employer is supposed to continually tell the employees they have to take time off. If they yes. don't take time off, then they will lose their entitlement within the holiday year. Yeah. We now know from Pimlico that that's been changed, that 
if the company, the umbrella company or whatever, whoever the employer is, doesn't make significant efforts and be transparent about the employee having that time off and being paid for that time off, then they will lose the um, right at the end of the holiday year to to losing that holiday entitlement. So it will then roll over into the next year. In fact, it will then roll over until the termination of the contract. Gosh, and that's that's um, a very important point um, that, that came that was kind of emphasised really in the Pimlico Plumbers case. So I mean, the, the stuff that's, that's really interesting with these cases is that they're not actually changing the law. They're clarifying our interpretation of the law, aren't they? Have I got that right? <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And I think the problem is that there are some companies out there who are just really, really pushing the boundaries on what the law allows. And because... Mm. You have to use a crude, I think, some of the umbrella companies, and I think this is fair to say, not all of them, obviously, but some of them really have been pushing on this and some uh, holiday, some uh, umbrella company workers haven't been paid as a result and they've lost their entitlement. But, you know, the case law has now um, given a very clear guidance on that, although we do need that to be transferred into statute. What what would be kind of advice for any workers listening in who are not sure really how their holiday is being calculated? The best advice is to approach your umbrella company and ask them for their policy on holiday pay. Yeah, yeah. I, I realised as I was asking that question, there is <laughs> only that one answer. I mean, I suppose also... Well, no, I mean, some people might um, say go to tribunal, but I mean, you can't you can't yeah. actually go to tribunal until you've gone through all the sort of first steps first. So, yeah, you know, ask, ask for the holiday pay policy, the holiday yeah. entitlement policy. It may or may not have been updated. It should have been updated by now, because I think we're about a month on. Mm-hmm. So ask for that, find out, have a good read of it, ask your umbrella company for their attitude and just, you know, just try and keep it at an informal level. If you're not getting the answers, then obviously you've got more areas that you can look at. Potentially, you could go to a tribunal, but you would have to have a termination of contract to do that. And that right. is, I would say, last resort. OK, fine. And there has been some kind of wild stuff that we're seeing um, going around social media about, oh, all these cases and it's going to be the end of umbrellas and or recruitment agencies potentially um as as we know it i mean what's what's your take on on that sort of sensationalism yeah <laughs> um i don't like it i think uh it's misguiding because it, it's not as it's just simply it's not as easy as that you know you can go to your your company and you can talk to them if they're not treating you properly then by all means take the take legal action but, you know, most umbrella companies hopefully will, you know, look at this and change their policy and do something that reflects fairly on the worker as well as them being able to continue commercially, because obviously this is going to be difficult for umbrella companies as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and I do think most umbrella companies um, do want to do the right thing. It's not in their interest to kind of stuff over workers deliberately, because then then that that's a very short, short term view. So, yeah, they, they'll be wanting to do the right thing because otherwise without the workers they they wouldn't exist so huge thank you so much for joining us Rebecca today it's been really helpful and we would love to get you back on again as and when stuff develops more thanks very much it was a pleasure thank you for listening to Empowering Agency Workers hosted by Julia Kermode for more information on today's discussion please visit iwork.co.uk where you can also join our growing community we hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you did then we would love you to subscribe, rate and review our podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week.